Hi, I'm Oscar, and welcome to Podcast Gaming. Today we have a guest from Scotland. Hi, I'm Dev. Um, I'm an ancient historian who is also a VR developer. I started with classical studies and then moved into behavioral economics, so sort of studying why people behave the way that they do. And then I got a master's in ancient cultures and then a master's in software development. When I was doing my classics degree as an undergrad, I was studying the Roman villa of Santa Venia, which is in Sardinia, and half of it today is lost to the sea. And I thought that would be such a great opportunity to do 3D modeling. So I decided to do my master's in ancient cultures because I wanted to do 3D modeling of Roman archaeological sites in Britain. But I didn't really get to do that. So um, I did another master's and I decided, well, for this one, I want to look at VR, 3D modeling of archaeological sites and sort of does this actually help people to learn? Because there isn't a lot of evidence or studies gone into it so far that shows that 3D learning or even VR is actually helpful for learning about things and especially about the past. When we think about the past, we never know anything for 100% certainty. So when you think about the past, whatever you know is based on someone's best judgment or best knowledge that they have at that time. Do you have any previous experience by uh, developing stuff? Absolutely not. <laughs> so as an ancient historian, we study the past and that's basically it. Um, and then I, I, w I was kind of going into it and I was like, well, I want to do this 3D, 3D modeling of sites, right? But someone, um, I guess who was a mentor at the time was just like, you need to learn programming. So I learned programming and then I really got into VR just because it was available at that time. And I thought, okay, yeah, this is the best way to visualize the past. And um, so that that was my initiation, was creating this Mithraeum experience. I'm a big believer in uh, VR for education, especially history for buildings and things like that, that you have to experience for yourself. Yeah, I think v VR, just because the best part about it is that you are this embodied being in the space. So that way you can experience you can walk around you can manipulate objects and in, in that sort of integral way of learning so we, we as humans learn with our whole bodies right when we're little we put everything into our mouths or we, we walk around we try and test all the limits with our physical bodies and so in vr you can sort of do that again it, it, it's such i mean based on current academia it's such a different way to learn because you're, you're not reading the text, but you're seeing this physical building of what may have been. And I mean, you can see the change over time inside VR. You can see multiple interpretations. And it's just so powerful to show everything you want about ancient history. Yeah, I've always dreamed like experiencing those buildings or the, that era or that that city or something. That The, end, uh, the possibilities are endless in VR. In, we are for use that. Yeah, I do. I do worry a little bit though. Um, so when when we look at how we can use VR in education, there's really no set standard, and there's no clear evidence of that it's helpful. Or it, if we use VR in this way rather than this way, it's much more effective. And I think 
uh, through trial error, we will get there, but it'll take a lot of trialing. I have a friend that is a teacher, and he was really excited about this thing. He hasn't used VR, and he's not a gamer in any way, and he's a history teacher. So he was really excited about this thing. I, I will make him try it. I, might, I will add that. Possibly. Yeah, definitely. Have, have, have him try it out. Yeah. Um, when, I, when I was running my study, I had, well, I had 12 participants, so not a lot. But um, of those 12 people, two of them had actually tried VR before. So it should, in theory, be an easy enough experience to get into and understand learning how to manipulate the controls. Um, I'm working on a tutorial so that way people can get used to the controls a little bit sooner. But yeah, it should it should be a good time for him and let have have him feed any um, feed any information back to me if it, he thinks things are ahistorical or if they're not correct. Yeah, if I'm going to be totally honest, he doesn't know much about just the thing that just your experience is about because that is not learned in Swedish schools. Like use that thing. Yeah, it's a very specific topic. Um, so as I was picking out what I wanted to do, I wanted to pick somewhere that people didn't really know, and Carroth and the Mithraeum and sort of just the cult to Mithras from the Roman period isn't really well known. And even though we study it as um, ancient historians or classicists or Roman archaeologists. We, not everyone really understands what it is or what happened there. And I just think it's such a great avenue because it, inside of the Mithraeum itself was this whole multi-sensory exploratory, I, don't know, I mean, I'm hypothesizing here, but like, I, I think it would have been such a great experience and, and so informed by your body in that space that vr is just a great way to go forward with it i have to admit that i was i always was ashamed when i realized what wall that was laying by oh hadrian's wall yeah, exactly i was ashamed when i realized what wall it was <laughs> i mean it's only one of the most popular roman frontiers it's okay <laughs> exactly it's just one of the most famous ones like like I was just oh no. I mean, <laughs> I don't know the official name on it. That's why I know about the wall, but I didn't know the official name. Yeah, but I also think that it's not. So I come from the middle of nowhere in Minnesota, in the U.S., and we didn't learn anything about the Romans as I was growing up. Um, and this, this was during high school. And I think if I were to ask anyone from back home what Hadrian's Wall is or where did the Romans have their frontiers in Britain or anything like that, no one would have a clue what I was saying. And so I think, yeah, it, it, it's understandable that you had no idea what's going on. <laughs> My friend who's a history teacher didn't know the name. Ah, well, you can, you can always have lots of history. Yeah, exactly. But he's more into... Military history, I mean, that's why. But more, Romans were military, after all. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're into military history, you've got to know the Romans. Um, the, the tortoise formation and all of yeah, that I'm good not, stuff. I'm, so. I'm not hanging out there anymore now. <laughs> He's not listening to this anyway, so I, I can get away with it. 
Oh, you you hope he's not at least, so that way you can still have your friendship at the end. <laughs> exactly. I will have some serious problems if it does. Yeah, are you? <laughs> I saw on Twitter that you're like designing some objects or what should you call them? 3D modeling. Oh yeah, I, I do a lot of random things. Um, so I went to Hadrian's Wall again, just sort of on a whim over the the past weekend here and we ended up going to Corbridge Roman town which is it's a fascinating place and even though most of it has been excavated what you see today is a really limited space of the town and i found that just to be fascinating and inside the museum there's a beautiful statue of a lion that's pouncing on its prey and and that I decided to take a bunch of pictures of it and do a photogrammetry model, which is basically just stitching all these photos together to make a 3D object. And then I'm going to put that into VR. And my my goal is to, uh, so they initially think that the lion was actually part of a mausoleum, so on top of the mausoleum. But when it was excavated, it was found in the largest residence at Corbridge. So and it was a fountain. So it has this change of use over time and i think vr is such a perfect place to put this this change over time because you can first see okay here's what it may have looked like on this mausoleum and then fast forward a couple like a hundred years or so now it's a fountain in this grandiose residence and then fast forward again and you can see it sort of being covered by the ground as it's um, put to disuse so I'm working on that. I'm also working on remodeling Karroth, which is the place where the Mithraeum is. Um, most of that fort has not actually been excavated, so it's really difficult. But I'm hoping that I can give people more of a sense of what the fort and what the landscape looked like because it's so fascinating with the religious history of it just because it has the Coventina as well, which is the shrine to the goddess Coventina not known anywhere else in the empire except for at Karabroff. And it had over 13,000 coins found inside of it, along with a wealth of statues and just different objects and artifacts. And so it's so fascinating. And then we also found the Mithraeum there, which had use over um, a couple of centuries. And then right in front of the Mithraeum, so like about five feet in front of it, was the Shrine to the Nymphs and the Guinness Loci. Now, and I think this one is so fascinating just because it, it looks like a big, like, screw you to the people who are in the Mithraeum because it looks like that shrine was actually built when the Mithraeum was out of use. And so I'm I'm hoping to sort of encapsulate all my knowledge about this site and put it into VR. Yeah, that would be amazing, actually, because I want to see more of it. I, I've got some of the model put up, but at the moment you sink through the ground. So I need to figure out how to do landscapes. I don't want to sing through the ground. <laughs> it's, it's a bit disorienting because, I mean, I, I have it so that we, you can walk a few steps forward, but then when you start to go up a hill, you just start sinking. And it's it's kind of cool to see the fort above you as you're floating down on the ground. But, yeah, it, it's a bit rough. Yeah, but uh, you have, how much education did you have in programming? In programming? Yeah. So I took a year-long master's conversion degree 
and we did that in Java. So I, I had that, and then I've been, and now I've been working at a bank for a year, and I've been working mainly in JavaScript. That's actually pretty impressive, in my opinion. That's what I'm uh, like uh, judging your experience by. Not, I'm not judging you against a AAA studio. That would be unfair. <laughs> well, I, I would say my experience is far better than AAA studio, but oh, well, you know. <laughs> well, well. Okay, I I bet my previous guests wouldn't agree with you. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. I I ended up doing all the three modeling, the design, um, the sort of storyboarding of it, the development of it, and I ended up doing that all by myself, which was done in three months. So it was a bit rough, and it still is a bit rough. But I I hope to polish a little bit because I, I would love to get this onto Steam or I don't know just just something where people can look at it and sort of show their classes or use it for some way to say like okay here's where this is totally wrong here's what it could have been I just I think it's so valuable as a tool for that sort of thinking yeah I I can do my best to spread it. In, in the field community. I have a few friends yeah. after all there. That god Mithras, is that a god from the Roman Empire from the beginning or is it taken from somewhere like most gods are? There's a very complex story, right? Uh, so Mithras is also known in the Middle East. Um, he is, but the Mithras that we know from the Roman Empire is completely Roman. So it, it uh, Mithras is a Roman god that is depicted as a old Persian god, um, but he is depicted as the Romans depict Persians, um, which is just to say that the Romans are sort of idealizing this culture and using him sort of as this foreign entity inside of them um, the, for whatever reasons no one knows. And then he, he spread it out through the Roman Empire from the first century pretty much until the fourth or fifth century, I believe. Um, actually, Dr. David Walsh, who is one of who, who's a scholar in Mithraism, I guess, um, has a book out now about the Mithras cult in late antiquity and sort of the closings of it. And I, I believe it was the fifth century that they were they stopped. So from the first to the fifth century, spread all throughout the empire, but purely Roman, depicting something from Persia. <laughs> Would you like give advice if someone wanted to start programming? I, so programming in general or programming for VR? VR. Uh, use VRTK. It is absolutely the best tool. Um, they have done so much work and it's, it's really well done. Um, it, it just makes it so much easier to be able to do, say, locomotion or grabbing objects. And it, it just takes care of a lot of under, like programming for you. And then you can also add different scripts to as your own inside of it. Um, you can also do a lot of the Unity tutorials, which I find those are very helpful when you're learning Unity. If you're doing Unreal, 
just try to make it not crash. Um, that's always been my problem with Unreal is that it always crashes on me. Um, but I definitely would say that it's a lot of work and it's a lot of trial and error. You're going to get it wrong. You're going to get it right. And when you when you get it right, you feel on the top of the mountain like you can do everything and then something will fail and you just feel like you can't do anything at all. And so at, at that time, just reach out to someone, go to Stack Overflow. I mean, just just keep trying. Cause you, you'll eventually get it and you'll be on top of that mountain again. I was actually asking both for myself and maybe some of the listeners wanted to know. As some of them know, and you too, I'm actually going to study programming. Yeah, I would definitely recommend learning basic principles first rather than VR itself. So what's a for loop? What What's a loop in general? Um, what's an object? Like that sort of thing. And then going into the nitty gritty. Yeah, it's always like that. You should always start from the ground. Just the basic stuff, whatever you do. Yeah, but you're you're doing crazy things. So you're you're doing what CSS, HTML, JavaScript, Java, right? Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, that's, you're insane. That's I okay. Know. That's, that's my best quality. I mean, you can make a website. And then who knows what else, I guess, I, once you're done. I, I already have a website, actually. Oh, did you build it from scratch? No, I didn't. I cheated. Oh, what did you cheat with? Uh, Vix. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I right. highly recommend... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go, uh, no, I was just saying, like, uh, I, I'm going to program one from the ground up. So. I highly recommend using Django just because... It's very simple to get your website started, and you you sort of learn all the bits of front end, back end, um, how to connect the two, and it's just a beautiful piece of software. And um, Django Girls tutorial is fantastic. You learn how to build the blog with that, or the Django documents itself, and you do a polling application. So, are you just going it's, to build on your experience, or are you like, are you going? Do you have any next idea? Um, at the moment, I'm working on four or five different projects. Wow. Um, so I'm doing my carb raft project, which is just putting the entire Ford in and then um, adding a tutorial and then the Mithrame experience into that. And then I'm also doing a, the Corbridge experience where I put the lion in there and I show change over time. I'm doing a couple AR projects for my work. And then I'm looking into sort of web AR and how I can do ground plane detection without paying money. It almost sounds like me. I'm doing, I mean, a lot of weird projects. Uh, I wouldn't say they're weird. I would just say they're they're very integral to me as a human. I would also okay. really like to start doing. Um, I mean, so at the moment I'm my my love in life is ancient history and VR. Um, I also do AR, so I'm fine with that as well. And if I could combine the two in my day job, that would be amazing. But I can't right now, so I'm, I'm working on sort of AR and VR in business use cases for enterprises. And I've been, I, one of the biggest use cases, I think, is social VR. 
or AR. I guess you, you could also use like HoloLens and the Magic Leap or something like that. But in order to build that, it takes a lot of work and effort and I don't think I'm there yet. So that might be something I start pretty soon. Yeah. So what do you think? What's the biggest difference like AR and VR? My listeners are mostly VR users. I don't know any, I don't know if they're AR users, but what's the biggest difference? So VR just completely replaces your world with something else, right? So you put on this HMD, which acts as blinders to the outside world and you are inside this new space and you can experience things. You can do whatever you want. Uh, Jeremy Balenson always says, um, well, he, he has sort of these four rules for why you would want to create a VR experience. If something is um, dangerous, expensive, rare, and I can't remember the fourth one, but if it's something like that or impossible, I think is the fourth one. But if it's something like that, that's when you want to use VR. But AR, you can still see your physical world. So we think of usually AR as using a camera, but there's devices like um, the Project North Star from Magic Leap, or you can use um, uh, Leap Motion or Project North Star of Leap Motion, Magic Leap, or Hololens, and you are putting digital content into your world and sort of enhancing that world. So you're still physically in that world. You're still interacting with a physical world, but you also have this extra layer added to it, say, as if you are daydreaming or, I, I don't know, um, have you had those times when you're sleeping and you are halfway awake, halfway not? I guess that's kind of where I equate it. Yeah, but uh, like uh, I have seen someone play like almost with Lego pieces or uh, Minecraft or something in AR when it was mm-hmm. new and coming. That looked pretty cool, but still it's just usable for some things. Yeah, I think I think AR will become more part of everyday life or uh, have a bigger use case, whereas VR will be a little bit more specialized. I think, like especially looking at the ancient history space and sort of cultures and museums, I think AR has so much more potential just because if I can put on glasses that actually look like glasses and not these giant things on my head, um, I would love to put on glasses and be able to look into a museum and see statues in full color or see them sort of being repositioned into the place that they were found originally and what they may have looked like over time. And, And I feel like AR will be a big proponent for that because you can just you can use it for so many things by giving extra information to the person inside that space. I'm I'm all for trying AR. I just don't know how to try it and like that stuff. Those headsets aren't like marketed to consumers in the same way. Yeah. Um, I, so HoloLens 2 is fantastic. Magic Leap is okay. Uh, Project North Star, again, is okay. But I would... Uh, I mean, the, the mobile phones is absolutely the best place at the moment 
to see some AR content. Like I have an application that kind of shows me what to do in case there's a fire. And it is really interesting to see the way that people are using AR. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm actually considering a HoloLens in that way, but I just don't know what to use it for yet. Yeah, because there isn't much content out there for consumers at the moment. And if you're not going to be developing for it, I, I don't know how much value it'll have. I but always like it, new tech stuff. Yeah, it's, it, it's fantastic technology that, yeah, who knows? Uh, yeah, but that area you have been starting to develop in the VR that I have actually done the, played the temple part in, uh, how much of the area are you going to do? That's a really tough question. Um, so maybe one eighth of the fort has been excavated. Um, a little bit of the headquarters building has been excavated. Um, not to a full extent like that I would like it to be, or it's a bit difficult to read the archaeology report sometimes. There's a lot of things like, oh, it's assumed that the Principia was over here, or it's assumed that the barracks would have been like this, or and so it's really difficult to actually figure out how the fort was laid out. But it's the Romans, and they usually lay out their forts in a fairly standard pattern. So I may just extrapolate data from different forts and kind of build some random things into there. But I, I I think it's a great opportunity to show how to model uncertainty because we honestly don't know much about this fort at all. We don't know anything about the weakest, which is the village where people who are not the soldiers would live. And it's such a great opportunity to do that. So I'm, I'm kind of like hoping to build out the entire thing. But then I also don't want it to be me going oh, hey, I think this would have been here, so I'm going to put it in. You can always add that like, this is based on history and not necessarily 100% correct. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like every sort of historical thing should have that as a disclaimer because we will never know for 100% what was true, what was not. Um, and it, it's just how it is. But this one's, if it were excavated a little bit more, I would be much more comfortable with it. But they didn't really find many things in the excavations, so I'm not sure how much I can do yet. Yeah, so if someone hears this that wants to excavate it, go ahead. Yes, please, uh, give people a lot of money. Yeah. Um, I think the the biggest issue is that it, it just costs so much to do archaeology, and archaeology is a very destructive science that sometimes the ends don't justify that cost. And I mean, I I personally think that Carbroth has a lot of hidden treasures, but we'll never know until it's excavated and that's not going to happen until there's a lot of money. Uh, yeah, like I said, it, uh, it would be really cool if you could do the whole area. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I think th the way that I want to go forward is 
sort of modeling ghost things or putting a transparency on things like the barracks or the granaries because they haven't been excavated. We know where the positions probably were. So I, th- I think I may just model something, put a bunch, put a, put some transparency on them. So that way they, they look as if they're physical objects, but they're still sort of not there. And we'll see how that goes. So I think people should really try your experience out. Do you have an easy way for them to find it? Uh, the best way to get the experience is to just send me a message on Twitter or email me, and then I can send you the APK. Um, I mean, eventually I hope to get it more publicized or downloadable from my website. I guess it would be the easiest way to do that. But at, at the moment, just let me know. I will make sure they know, they know how, how to do that. Because I, I know a lot of people who actually uses the quest and sideloads a lot. Yeah, I feel with the way that Oculus is handling the content at the moment, sideloading is one of the greatest things. However, to ask people to sideload a lot of applications also isn't so great. So... It'll be interesting to see how the quest does in the next few months. Yeah, because they have done some questionable decisions about games. Yeah. <laughs> because I can uh, say that much. They, they were bla- claiming that they were more like tech demos than games. Uh, and yeah. a lot of weird stuff like that. I'm actually interested in how the, um, so I know the Valve Index has recently stripped out. I'm really interested to see how they're doing. And then also the Vive Cosmos will be coming out pretty soon. Yeah, I'm buying that too. Well, Cosmos, I have to. Or I mean, I I hate to see Cosmos. I need need that too. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future with all this. I think standalone headsets are, probably the better way to go but we'll see yeah i, I like the standalone headsets like quest and that stuff they're more like to the casual ones those other headsets are like high end who can afford that it's not just the headset cost but it's the computer and then it's the computer plus the headset plus the controllers um and then you're adding in content itself and it's just has to be a lot of money yeah it's really a lot of money for someone who doesn't like earn a lot or can save a lot maybe people have families and things that cost money you never know cars and other stuff it's a lot of money to get into these kind of things yeah i i still sort of regret getting the quest just because i don't actually use it that much because the content on the store doesn't really appeal to me but i developed to it so that's been helpful but there there isn't a lot of value for me yeah but uh, i'm actually i'm actually considering getting the rift too one of my computers could actually handle it but that could be yeah, necessary that... for me see i always fun like so when i was studying i used my vr quite a bit because i had space in my flat and I mean, I had the time whilst I was studying, but now that I'm working and I live in a smaller flat, I, I really don't have the space and I don't have the time. 
so I don't use my wrist that much except for when I'm giving demos of stuff. And I think it's just such, it's so unfortunate, but I, I don't know what else can be done. <laughs> yeah, you're, you don't, you're not a real gamer, so maybe that's why. Yeah, if you, if you look in my Steam store, I think I have 10 games or something like that, and I've played maybe three hours in total. Wow. Maybe. Um, and the, most of that has been Portal trying to figure out how I can walk forward, press a button, and then do other things. But I, I'm not a gamer. <laughs> I'm just going, I, I, I just have to check how many games I have. I have 97 on Steam. Those objects that you're modeling, are you doing them just for fun or is that for the project? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't really have much of a plan at the moment. Um, I, I, so the objects from Karbroth are either housed in Chester's um, Roman fort, which is in the Clayton Museum, and that is, I think, seven miles away from Karbroth, or they're housed in Newcastle in the Great North Museum of Hancock, our Great North Museum, I, I can't remember, Great North Museum in Newcastle, which is 27 miles away from the fort. And out of both of those places, most of the artifacts from Karbroth are placed against a wall or placed in a glass case, so you can't really get a 360-degree view of them. So I haven't been able to do many like photogrammetry models or necessarily even model things. Like There's this really ugly statue of the mother goddess, which would have been in the Mithraeum. And I have absolutely no clue how to model it, but I would have, I would, I would love to just because it's so ugly. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's strange. What's strange? You don't want to do it because it's so ugly. Yeah, it's... So I, I when I was studying ancient cultures and sort of classics. I, I really focus more on art and archaeology and sort of architecture. So so I love classical pieces like Greek, Roman, just these beautiful classical pieces where you can see definition, you can sort of see the wind blowing. Like if you look at the Nikia Samothrace, you can tell the wind is just pulling uh, like drawing on her and the, her clothes are just flowing in the wind and it's just a beautiful posture. But then when you get to Roman Britain and the stuff that was made here, it is horrible. It's just, it's just very ugly. So I, I love it. Wow, that's a rant. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's rough against them. Is it what? That's rough against them saying it's it's so ugly. Okay, um, I I will give you some sources, and I will show you how ugly these things are. Right? Yeah, <laughs> give, give me two. Uh, you, you need to do that. But uh, I mean, it's always been. I I know that like Celtic art styles and Iron Age art styles are different to classical, but I find. I mean, the classical is just much more appealing 
whereas this mixture of local and classical is just, I, I don't like it, but I also really like it. Like, it, it's difficult to explain. It, it's ugly, but it's beautiful at the same time. Yeah, it's like a movie sometimes. It could be so bad that it's good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I have a lot of those. I'm looking at... I'm trying to find an example of something that's really ugly from the Roman Empire. At, from experiencing... Yeah. Or I guess from trying out my experience, what what do you think are the best parts and what do you think are the worst parts? Uh, if we start with the best parts, I think... like. I like the voice. I might add that. I like, the, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like it. But uh, if I'm going to mix it now, the only problem is that version I went. That voice started right away, and out of nowhere. I just yeah, like, you got the old version. Yeah, I couldn't place the voice anywhere. It's just behind me, but where? And uh, uh, I like the fire. Even if that control thing was a little bit clunky sometimes. I, I personally mm -hmm. don't like teleporting, but for a teleporting thing, it was pretty good. Okay. Like, like, uh, I'm usually a free locomotion guy. I never get VR sickness, so. Yes, yeah. I really debated what I wanted to do with this, so I. I. I... <laughs> There is a thing where if you walk one step forward, you walk two step forwards in VR. But this is so in theory, you can walk the entire length of temple just in a room, but you have to have room space. So the teleport was a lot easier, and I found that most people actually use the teleport rather than just walking about. Don't know why, but that's how it went. <laughs> Yeah, if you ever add it, I will go out on a soccer field and try it. Okay, deal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I will live stream. The viewers need to see that. <laughs> because I, I have a too small living space to do that uh, where you actually walk yourself. I need an enormous place for that. Okay, so I, I gave you an example of Soul and Witness, which is... um. The, the god of the sun uh, soul but the sort of the one that was found in Corbridge on Hadrian's wall is just ugly but it's also beautiful but I mean usually when you think of classical sculpture you think of this very well sort of idealistic or realistic version of a person who is then a god so has a very like no blemishes that sort of thing and and that's what's fantastic about sort of Roman Britain it's just this sort of ugly u ugliness to it yeah I would try to incorporate those links in the podcast thing so yeah I don't know if the second one is the best but that's what I could find of yeah. soul I think that would work. You got the you got the point home. Yeah. But nice 3D model by the way. Oh thank you. Um I did my my lion and that was the best model I've ever done, so I was very happy with that. 
Yeah. Oh, that's why you send it. But yeah, is it something else you want to add? Yeah, I think the the biggest takeaway is that when thinking about recreating the past, and I say recreating in a very loose sense, so looking at the past from the current knowledge that we have today and sort of whatever the best theory is out there, we need to remember that nothing is certain and using technology, we can show change over time, we can show multiple interpretations, and we can give the user power inside of that experience to test things out, to sort of experience and ask questions. Well, why did they do this? Why did they do that? And then we can have such a full discussion about how ancient history was and what the culture was like and how it, just what we know about it. And I think that's just, it's so important to be able to have that open discussion at the end. Thank you for coming and agreeing to this. Oh yeah, no problem. Yeah, like it, it was fun. But I will make sure to show everyone uh, this experience you have done. Try to get some attention to it. Yeah, just put, 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 put the new APK up rather than the one. <laughs> yeah, but I need a new APK though. Oh yeah, I think, I think it's in that same folder that I'd given at one point. But I don't know. Yeah. I'll try and find it again. Yeah, do uh, it. I mean, I'm still rebuilding on it. so. Yeah, you could send me that one and I... I can direct them to them, to it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, enjoy your night. Go yeah. to sleep. Yeah, I will. That was it. All right. This podcast, everyone. And bye, everyone. Bye.